Now, here's your host of Sound Off, Brad Bennett. Well, welcome back to our number two Northlanders. And as you know, this is the Wednesday that uh, the end of the month where Pete Woods always uh, tantalizes us and brings us some incredible people that make us uh, more able to understand that there's more to the wood logging industry than just cutting trees. There's so much more to it than that. And this morning, we have our celebrity raconteur, the guy who is going to be on the cover of some magazine here uh uh, in yeah, this GQ. Next month. GQ magazine. Is that what right? it is? Yeah. GQ. Is he gonna? Yeah. Is he, is he gonna wear his plaid? You know, with his suspenders and a chainsaw hanging around his neck or anything like that? I would visualize I that, that being a cover. <laughs> I don't know so, what you guys are talking about. We're loggers. Sawdust in the air and sawdust in our hair. Yeah, there you go. No, I've been talking to a guy who's doing a story on you from some logging magazine out of Wisconsin someplace, and it sounds like it's going to be a, a very uh, insightful piece, Peter Wood. Yes, he's out of Wisconsin. Fred is his name. Um, he called me probably, I'm going to say, two, three weeks ago, maybe four weeks ago, I want to talk about the radio show and that, and so it became more and more and more. But uh, I'm worried about time on here, Brad, because there's so much information here, but uh, yeah. I, I yeah. thank you. I really do, and I want to thank the folks out there. I'm willing to listen, but uh, yes, it is nice. But uh, what, where we're at today is we're over in Green Bay, Wisconsin, for the upper, for the Great Lakes Timber Producers Association meeting over here, and we have in the room today three different guests that are come on differently, but first we're going to have on is uh, Matt Jensen, and He's the president of the GLTPA here, and um, which covers uh, Wisconsin and Michigan. And he's their president. Okay. He's also a fellow logger, and we want to talk about uh, Matt. You want to introduce the folks out there who you are, where you're from, and uh, why you logger? Hey, well, thanks for having me. First of all, yes, my name is Matt Hanson. My business name is White. Good morning, Logging Matt. LLC. Morning. I am a third-generation logger from Crandon, Wisconsin, which is in the northeast corner of the state of Wisconsin, borders Upper Michigan. Um, uh, the reason why I got into logging, you know, I'm a, like I said, I'm a third generation. My grandfather was a farmer logger. I was fortunate yeah. enough that I worked with my dad, Pete, uh, for over 30 years and learned everything that you could possibly learn about logging and life and uh, enjoyed every minute of it. My dad has since retired. And uh, so I'm pretty fortunate to live in the rural community. I'm married. I have three children that are adults now to raise a family and live a life in rural America. People would kill to do, be able to do that. And yeah. uh, I, I grew up in that in that environment and uh, I absolutely love what I do. Um, I, I can't say enough about it. That's why I'm so involved in our industry, because I it, it is in my blood, for sure. Well, Matt, I remember something that Pete said a year or two ago on this show, and I, and I think it probably is true to what you're talking about. He, see, he said, it seems like the sawdust gets in your veins. It's just something you love. You just want to be out in the woods. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Um you know, there's days you have you have uh, ele- the elements. It's it's not for the faint of heart, that's for sure. But when you grow up in rural America, 
and you learn, you know, it's, it's a, it's a calling definitely. Um, so I, I, like I say, I can't say enough about it, how much I, I love being out there and, and working for yourself and working on the health of the forest where you live and raise a family. You're the stewards of this land. So we are the, definitely the people that, uh, we, we're, we're the direct contact to that stewards of the land. Well, Matt, that, that's so true because we have a lot of listeners uh, that uh, I, I think some of them have, uh, originally, when we brought Pete on, thought, why are we having loggers on? All they do is cut all the timber. They leave those bare spots. And over the years, we've learned so much more that loggers plant more trees than they cut down by a lot, uh, by a huge margin. And if you didn't do that, uh, you wouldn't have a sustainable business like you do have. Trees are sustainable properties that grow back. They bring so much into our lives in furniture and houses and even in fabrics now you're finding uh, wood products are made into clothing that we wear even. Correct. I mean, today, uh, you know, probably the general public doesn't know. We have more forest today than we did 100 years ago, and it's because of folks like myself and my father and Pete that have um, managed the land. If you can imagine something that folks, the environmental community obviously does not care for some of the things that we do because they don't understand it. But if you can imagine why on earth would I live and grow up and then raise a family where I live in the woods and want to cut all the trees down, that would be the last thing that I would want to do. That's something I would like the general public to, to know that. Um, put yourself in that position. Would you do something to harm where you live and the, 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 the area that you live and love? Probably not. No, I, I, I certainly, uh, I, th- I think that's very tr- a very true statement. You would want to do everything you can to make sure that the industry stays vibrant and, and uh, has um, a way to progress. Correct. You know, I've been, been involved in the industry and the reason I got involved in it so much is, you know, I was raised by a probably one of the hardest working guys I know, a good role model, my dad. And he's one of these guys that's very quiet. He's also a veteran. And uh, okay. I kind of took after my mother, I guess. I'm a little bit more outspoken. So I'm kind of speaking for, for guys like my dad, those hardworking guys that don't like to speak in public. And I just kind of learned to, I guess, speak up for myself a little bit. And now I'm, I'm, kind of a political junkie, I guess, when it comes to our industry, because I believe in it so much. <laughs> well, Matt, talk, um, uh, talk a little bit, maybe you want to introduce some of the other people that are with you, but talk a little bit about what you, what kinds of things you pick up at, uh, like these logging conferences that you're at today. Uh, I'm sure be, being with other people that are doing the same kind of work, you pick up a lot of little tips, a lot of little uh, helpful hints that might help you in your day-to-day job. Well, absolutely. We we have we have a the main uh, reason we have these conferences is because there's continued education and training. We're always uh, looking for for that in our industry. Uh, the camaraderie of meeting folks that you might not see for a year um, is also kind of the the social benefit to it. But we're doing sure. all sorts of training, motivational leadership skills, business skills. We've got supporting companies that are vendors with equipment or products that we use that support our industry as a whole. So it's kind of a strength the numbers thing. Um, 
So we, and then on the political side of things, this is where you talk about uh, how to how to address issues in the state of Wisconsin or all the way to Washington D.C., which many of us go to, um, you know, every spring. This year we did not do that because of the COVID, but uh, you have to show up because there's somebody out there uh, that does not agree with. I don't care if you if you produce solar panels, somebody doesn't like what you do. So yes, who better to defend your industry than people that believe in it and can can prove that science behind all of that. Well, and I, I think too, Matt, that a lot of it is uh, just educating some of the lawmakers on uh, on how wood really is so much more than just cutting down trees. It has a huge impact in our life. We're looking at a situation over here in Duluth, Minnesota, right now, where we've got a closed paper mill, uh, Versa, that uh, had made high calendar paper because of the changes in the marketing industry. They no longer need that much paper in that kind of production. But now we have an opportunity for a new company to come in, convert the mill uh, to uh, products that we always use, things like toilet paper, hand uh, tissues, and those kinds of things. And it's a great opportunity, and we'll keep a lot of loggers working. So you've got to educate politicians on the effects of all of that. Absolutely. I, I've said it many times that in the United States, uh, you know, and especially Wisconsin, Michigan, Minnesota, we are on the cutting edge of science of forestry. So what better country than the United States to, to um, produce a lot of these forest products that we have for the world, let alone our own people. And there's just endless markets. I mean, it's, uh, there's, wood is in so many things that the general public doesn't know. So it's a natural resource if we manage it correctly, which we are doing right now. It, it will never go away. We have to manage it for forest right. fires, various things like that. That uh, is kind of the ugly side of Mother Nature, forest fires, but you have to thin those trees to keep that healthy forest. Absolutely, boy. Anybody who's ever been in an area where you've got what you think is a lot of healthy trees and you get in there and walk around and see all the dead wood on the ground just laying there waiting to burn, that's an unhealthy situation. And so uh, that's a that's a big part of the industry as well. I want to speak to, to Pete Woods just for a second. Uh, uh, Pete, uh, I know you've got a lot of people with a lot of talk uh, to do here today, and I, I want to assure you that we're going to probably take you right up to the top of the hour today. So you've got enough time. Um, But as you know, as you know, we're a commercial show. So we're going to take our first commercial break here. Uh, Get that out of the way. Then we'll come back. But I think we'll carry your segment right up to the top of hour number two today. Make sure we give you enough time, especially because a lot of people are going to be interested to know what is happening with the wood market? If you've been to Lowe's or Home Depot or anywhere lately to buy a couple two-by-fours, all of a sudden you've had two-by-four sticker shock. And I, I'm, yep, I know yep. you want to address some of those things today as well. Yep. We we do have an expert on that here in the room, ready to go. But next, uh, when you come back, we'll talk to Denny Olson from Michigan and about uh, okay. he's a Vietnam vet as well there, Brad. Excellent. Well, good, uh, nice to meet you as well, Danny Olson. And we're going to take this break, and then we'll come back with uh, more Let the Sawdust Fly here on Sound Off in the Morning. Giant Redwood, the larch, the fir, the mighty Scots pine, the smell of fresh-cut timber, 
the crash of mighty trees. With my best girl by my side, we'd sing, sing, sing. I'm a lumberjack and I'm okay. I sleep all night and I work all day. He's a lumberjack and he's okay. Ah, yes. The theme music of Peter Woods and Let the Sawdust Fly. Pete, welcome back. I'm never going to get this out of my life, am I? No, never. (laughs) Never. That song from from the first day that you did the show, it has stuck, and it has become your theme music. So it's just the way it is. exactly what I was worried about when I heard the first time I was playing. I thought, this is going to stick, and I'm not going to be able to change a thing about it. Nope. (laughs) So uh, our next guest is Denny Olson. From Michigan, yes, Denny Olson. Uh, he's a he's a retired, not retired. No, Denny. He's he's still active, still going strong, and he's a Vietnam vet. He's from your era. Yeah, Denny. Now, uh, one of my uh, one of my best friends, uh, Denny, was from Gibraltar, Michigan, that I served in Vietnam with, and he's passed away a few years ago. But uh, what a great guy! But welcome. So, hey, Denny, you are. log in Michigan? Well, um. I, I'm the part that all the people see of logging. Most people don't see the logging part of it. They see the trucks. And sure. um, I haul I haul logs for 44 years as an owner operator, and uh, I'm I'm a first generation logger though. Um, okay. I can't take credit for second or third or fourth or fifth generations. Because I started out as a, a little farm boy, and I grew up to be a big trucker. And if you you'd know why I mean big, um, I uh, I got to grow up pretty big when I, all the munchies I ate while I was driving that log truck. So, but as a farm <laughs> boy, and then being a Vietnam vet, I got drafted. Uh, I turned twenty one in Vietnam, and uh, I didn't want to be there. But uh, I believe in serving my country because America is so great, and we got to keep America great. And by doing that, that's part of being a logger. And people don't realize how important logging is to keeping America great and making it better day after day. Yes. But after Vietnam, I got... Go ahead. Well, I, w- I was gonna. I was just gonna say, Denny. That was one of the things that enti- that interested me with bringing Pete Woods onto this show uh, once a month was because other organizations, other industries like the steel industry and stuff, have shows, have represent representation that helps the general public understand that there's a bigger part of the industry than what you might see, and the same thing is true. In uh, in logging, I mean, over the years we've had guys on this show that Peter has brought on that have that have manufactured that have a, a worldwide distribution of shims that that simply pick up uh, appliances or level out tables. I didn't even know those things existed, and you buy them in all of the hardware stores. Um, so we've learned a lot more about the logging industry than just what we see when we see somebody cutting a tree down with a chainsaw. You're 100% right. And 
my end of, of the logging part is what the people see the most of, and what sure, people they see the truck the most, right? And but what I have been promoting uh, for over forty years is sharing the road with trucks, and um, how we can we could say the same thing as a log truck driver. We could say the same thing. Oh, those doggone cars! They're under, you know, they're in my way all the time. Well, we have to motor down the road and do our jobs, and that's been a big focus that I've worked on. Uh, after I got out of the construction part, I never dreamt I was going to be a log trucker, and I uh, went to buy a pickup because I had a job offered to me in Nebraska in '73 uh, when the fuel shortage hit, and uh, the guy said, "Well, I'd like to sell you." A new pickup, he says, to go out there, but uh, I want you to start tomorrow morning driving my log truck. So that's how I got started in this. And I didn't have much of a clue about the logging and the trucking part of it. it. But then after the years went on, I got to thinking, how many guys work in a factory, they're tied to the time clock, and they got to go there, they hate their jobs, and it's repetition and all that, and they got to take a vacation to go spend a week fishing or hunting or snowmobiling or something in the woods. I have lived 45 years in the woods. You think God hasn't blessed me? Wow. (laughs) You know? Oh, that's great. I, I just thank God for that he gave me this opportunity to spend my life in the woods helping manage the forest. And you know what? I'm part of that little white roll that everybody uses first thing in the morning, and they don't even think about a logger. But they better think about that logger because, you know, a year ago, all the shortages, you couldn't buy this toilet paper. People were thinking about loggers then. and Oh, my God, were they... (laughs) Yeah. Every morning, I I would really love if all people could think about that and how important logging is, just that well, one we, issue. Danny, we learned it in the toilet paper roll. We learned it in the paper towels in your kitchen. We learned it in hand sanitizers. We learned how important all of those products were because of the pandemic. And now we find industries are expanding and growing, which is helping the logging industry and they're opening uh, mills back up. Now I was going to ask you, Denny, how, what is about the furthest you haul for uh, a load of logs? Uh, I suppose you haul all over Michigan, right? Well, not really. Uh, Probably uh, I park my log truck. I keep it in my heated garage in the winter I look at it, so I haven't hauled any logs for three, a little over three years, but I still use it uh, with the firewood stuff and with my gravel yep. business operation. I got three jobs. I'm going to be 75, and I'm living the dream. Wow. The farthest I've hauled is normal haul was in the 30 to 40 miles, but I've been up to 200 or so. It all depends uh, what type of material, whether it's pulpwood or saw logs or veneer or where the markets are, you know, we're so blessed in the Great Lakes area to um, 
have these renewable resources called trees and all the uses for them. And we're the guys fortunate enough to be able to manage those trees. I'm living a dream. It's a pretty special operation, and over the years we have learned from having Pete on that there's so much more to logging than just uh, what we see out on the side of the road, uh, somebody hauling logs. But listen, guys, we've got to take our Fox News break, uh, and uh, then we will come back with more with Peter Woods and Let the Sawdust Fly, who's coming to us today with some professional loggers and people in the wood wood industry from up in the Green Bay area where they're at a a logging uh, symposium and conference. So, Pete, we'll be right back to you after this uh, break from uh, Fox News. Peter, a little woodchopper's ball to bring us back into the, the sawdust fly segment. Um, it's always uplifting, Pete, isn't it? It's always uplifting. Oh, yeah. But, Gotta have that. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, so, but, so who do we want to talk to next? Okay, who we have on next is Troy Brown from Krebs Lumber out of Wisconsin here. And we're uh, folks, if you can think of it this way here, He's an expert on building materials, okay, and we're going to talk about why building materials have gone through. So we got to we got to kind of back up, but uh, a lot of people think, well, the the, the the logger is getting really really well off here. Well, not really. Um, actually, in our part of the country, we haven't seen a raise on a long years. I'm going to say actual raise. It's probably been years since the logger actually has had a raise, and so people out there listening and the politicians and that thinking that. The loggers are doing better and better because look at the lumber prices. Well, the truth is, no, we actually have not seen a raise that I can remember for years. But we have Troy here from Krentz Lumber to talk about why you're looking at building a house and you know, if somebody's looking at a middle, uh, like a middle of the road kind of house, two, three hundred thousand dollar house. All of a sudden, they do all the paperwork and they find out it's priced out of where they can't build it now. There's reasons why it's not just a one-year event. It's over time that it's taken place. Remember a few years back I said on the radio that you could actually make it that instead of building a deck or building a house, you won't be able to afford it. Well, it's kind of come. That's what has happened. And so without going any longer, I want to bring in Troy here to talk about why. And it takes a little time, folks, so bear with us what has taken place here to find out why lumber prices are so out of reach. Yeah, guys, I, I always said I wasn't going to be this guy that, that talked about, oh, geez, I remember when things happened back in the 90s, but uh, I've become that guy. <laughs> and uh, right. and uh, so when I, started my, when I started my career in, in this business, and our mill is a hardwood mill, but these things all come together with the building materials and the hardwood, and the hardwood uh, industry. So um, when I first started in in the 90s, our markets were predominantly in the Great Lakes area. Uh, furniture manufacturing was strong in the Great Lakes area. Cabinet manufacturing was strong in the Great Lakes area. And then we got to a period, and it, and it really starts in 1999, when furniture manufacturing started to close in the United States and move over to China primarily. 
And um, when that happened, some hardwood mills that relied totally on the furniture manufacturers that were that were offshoring, the industry was producing 12 billion board feet until that happened, the hardwood industry. And now it produced, or then it, it, it dropped by a billion board feet to 11 billion board feet. Uh, but the housing market was becoming so strong, hardly anyone noticed if you weren't in that, if you weren't in that region where the furniture manufacturing was leaving. Then uh, the housing bubble burst, and that created another problem in, in, in the industry. The, the industry, again, recessed in production from 11 billion board feet to actually under 8 billion board feet, around 6.5 billion board feet. That's, that's, so we went from 12 billion board feet in a matter of eight or nine years down to 6.5 billion board feet of, of lumber. So almost, uh, almost in half, yeah. Almost in half, yes. Then things started, to, the, the economy started to recover, and in, in buyers in China primarily started to buy like U.S. hardwoods, and, and they, were, they were creating wealth in China at the time, and people were actually able to, to buy houses on leased land, and they were furnishing with hardwood lumber. And the industry really thought that, that things were, were back on its feet, but our production still only went from that 6.5 billion board feet up to 8 billion board feet. So it was three-quarters of what it was when the furniture manufacturing started its exodus. And we were in this period between 2013 and 2018 where we had some really solid production. Then in 2018, a trade war started between the U.S. and China, and the, the, the Chinese um, government put a 25% tariff on U.S. hardwood. It was a retaliatory tariff uh, that they placed on U.S. hardwood, and uh, the industry started to lose more people. So what was happening while the industry was, was recessing, people just weren't reinvesting in their plants, or they were closing their plants for various reasons. They just couldn't, right. they, they, they either started to get it to where they couldn't, couldn't find enough people, uh, they got to the point where they were starting to retire, so there really was no reinvestment happening in, in the industry at all. The, the retaliatory tariffs um, closed mills in Wisconsin, uh, hardwood mills in Wisconsin. Uh, we, had some, uh, um, we had some issues, and all of a sudden in 2020, these retaliatory tariffs came off at the end of, of February, and everybody thought, oh, geez, you know, this is going to be great. And I, I actually I did a a radio interview, and I thought everything was going to be great, and the problem was in China, and three weeks later, we shut down. Now we've yeah. got people that are on unemployment, and, uh, but we've also got people that are working from home. And while this is taking place, the industry is recessed again to under 6 billion board feet of production on the hardwood side. Hmm. People are have home offices as they're working from home. They're looking at their wife saying, geez, I need to do a little remodel. I'm going to be working from home. I don't know exactly how long that's going to be. Oh, by the way, we could use, how about some new furniture? And uh, uh, how about, you know, geez, let's remodel a little bit here. We could use some flooring. Uh, exactly. And getting into the softwood side and the framing and the remodeling and additions and decks and things like that. All of a sudden, we've got a demand that 
as industry has has contracted all this time, we've got a demand, yet we don't have all the people yet back to full employment. People are staying home. Yeah. Uh, people are retiring. You know, in e- economics like this, people just leave uh, the workforce. So, so there were a lot of issues that, that are happening and coming together. On top of it now, we've got a millennial, uh, uh, what do they call them, uh, age group or, or generation. And the millennials are all starting. They were on the sideline. They, they were staying at home longer and longer. And now they're starting to have families and they want to move out of the city. They want housing out into the suburbs. And they've created a housing demand that is on top of a supply uh, uh, issue that we have, a remodeling issue that we have, and a housing demand issue that we have. And to this yeah. day, or right while we're speaking, the hardwood industry has not increased its production by any more than 5.8 billion board feet. The problem is, wow. everybody that I talk to, we can't get enough employees. I know of mills that have, they don't even have an attendance policy anymore because if they enforce their attendance policies, people, they wouldn't have a mill running. Uh, there's been sure. people that, uh, and there's been more people that just couldn't withstand the economics, too, of these these bubbles and busts and booms. Um, the, the booms didn't last as long as, as the bus did. So we just, we have a perfect storm right now of yeah. supply yeah. and demand. And and in a nutshell, that's where uh, that's where we're at today. Troy, let me uh, let me tell you a conversation I had with a guy with a believe it or not with a salesman at at Home Depot down here, uh, close to where I where I am. I went in and I was looking for some lumber, and, and uh, I said to the guy, I said, "Wow, the prices of two by fours and and uh, panels have really gone up," and he said. Yeah, he said, everybody's home, everybody's locked down, and everybody's got building projects. Everybody wants to build an office or or remodel their kitchen or do whatever. And he said, all of a sudden, uh, we can't keep up with the supply. Yeah, that's true. And, and I don't really see this uh, changing, uh, certainly within the next year, just because, you know, well, we've got supply chain issues that are all over the place. Uh, we've got mill owners that are trying to expand uh, their the equipment that they have to purchase. Uh, they're out. Uh, I heard someone that wanted to buy a small sawmill. It would have been a portable sawmill. And uh, they were quoted that it would be 10 months out before they could even get it, before they could get a sawmill. Uh, we we see that uh, in a lot of the things that we're doing. We're doing a we're actually doing a, an expansion in our kilns. Uh, we're six months out uh, in getting sure. in, in actually getting the project delivered to us, much less the install. So there's a there are a lot of things that are happening in supply chains between you know from the logging uh, from the stump all the way through the mills and into the distribution yards. And these things are and sure. and one of the interesting questions is who's getting rich in all of this? Uh, everybody wants to know who's getting rich in this, and this is a long supply chain. So when you have the stump, you've got Matt cutting the logs, you've got Denny hauling the logs, you've got uh, Kretz taking the logs, you've got us processing those logs in the lumber. Uh, oftentimes that, that wood gets transported then to another facility for dry kilns. We actually dry lumber. Then uh, right. it, it, 
it's dried, it's plain, it gets hauled to a distribution yard, so and it gets hauled to secondary manufacturing. Quite frankly, when something happens this fast, the person with the inventory at that time, they're making out all right. Yeah. But yeah. the supply chain starts to level itself out as, as time goes on. And, well, and I'm going to ask that, you to. I'm going to ask you to hang on to your thoughts here while we t- while we do our Wisconsin news break. Uh, uh, Peter, uh, hang on. We're going to take you to the top of the hour, and we'll be right back with more of Sound Off right after this Wisconsin news break. WDSM time nine fifty four forty six degrees in Duluth, forty one degrees in Eveleth, and forty one degrees in Solon Springs. Now, Peter Wood, I got to give you a short. Uh, email that I just got from one of our listeners who is new, has not heard uh, Let the Sawdust Fly before too much. Her name is Paula, and she comes uh, back to this area from, uh, she's been all over the country. She lived out in California for a while, and she said, I noticed that Minnesota does manage their forests, and it is exactly the right thing to do to keep the forest thinned because that makes a healthy forest. It's the majority of the fire issues in California that don't want the forest managed so it gets dry and the underbrush is so thick it takes off like a tinderbox. Hooray for Minnesota for doing what's right with healthy forests and local jobs. Good for Pete. Well, tell Paula thank you. If you're out there listening, I want to thank you very much. It's great to have folks out there willing to send information. They actually listen and then they actually look for themselves and see that it is true what is taking place you don't have to have me there if i'm telling you the truth you're gonna it's gonna be the same tomorrow next day and next day and 100 years from now and i want to thank folks like that out there they're going to take time and listen about how important the timber industry is and and what what's going on now in the building trade folks is now when you can actually see it's kind of like a tidal wave coming but you can actually see the wave hit of what happens when the supply chain is not keeping up with the demand chain and we need to manage our force more and more, and, and we, we, we need that by having businesses like Kretz Lumber and loggers like Matt and also Denny out there that do, that do the work. And it's extremely important that we do this because, folks, you, you use our end product all the time, and this is one way where you really see it full-fledged when we're not keeping up, meaning we need logging extremely much in the timber industry. Absolutely. And, well, Peter Woods, uh, uh, Peter Woods, I want to thank you again this morning for enlightening our our, our uh, listeners on the logging industry. Have a great conference. Thank you so much to Matt Jensen, Denny Olson, and Troy Brown, who also joined us this morning. Hope you guys all have a great concert le- or conference. Learn a lot more about logging. And uh, Peter, we'll uh, talk to you again next month on Let the Sound of Us Fly. of the North.